heard across the Resonate Regional Radio Network. It's my time, it's my life. I hope you will come along. This is Rural Queensland Today with Ben Dobbin. Good morning and welcome to Rural Queensland today on this Monday morning, the 13th of March. A very good morning to everybody listening to us across the Resonate Broadcast Network through 4SB in Kingaroy. Good morning, 4ZR Roma, 4VL in Charleville, 4HI in Emerald, 4LM Mount Isa, 4LG Longreach, 4GC Charters Towers and the Hot Country Network. Good morning to you. A huge show for us and so much to get through this morning. Uh, looking forward to catching up with everybody. We're going to catch up with Rural Doctors Association of Queensland President Matt Maisel, he'll join us. Ian McFarlane will join us, the Queensland Resource Council Chief Executive. Looking forward to talking to him. We're going to also give you an update, um, some amazing sales taking place on the rural property market. We'll give you a rugby league wrap. Geez whiz, I'm looking forward to the 24th of March. And I'm also going to catch up with Robbie Catter. The situation in North Queensland is horrific in Burketown. We'll get updated with him very shortly. Uh, Rural Queensland Today is on the Resonate Broadcast Network, but you can go to Spotify anytime you want and you can always download Ben Dobbin, Rural Queensland Today. The latest shows, interviews, they're all there. And we are more than happy to share everything with you and bring it to you. Ben.Dobbin at Rural QLD Today is also my email. You can get in contact with me. Send me if you've got something to talk about. I'd love to chat to you about it. So much to get through this morning on Rural Queensland Today. Let's get into it. Um, and try and obviously look at what is happening today. We're going to talk with Robbie Catter. He joins us next. This is Rural Queensland Today, Monday morning, the 13th of March, across the Resonate Broadcast Network. Welcome back to Rural Queensland Today on this Monday morning, the 13th of March, as we talk about what has been an unbelievable um, set of weather events taking part in the northwestern part of this state. Rob Catter joins us this morning the member for Tragar, but a resident of Mount Isa and a absolute um, lover of the Northwest. Rob, good morning. Um, the devastation that I'm seeing with Burketown and through some of these areas at the moment is just quite unbelievable. I mean, all weekend you've been involved in ferrying people in and out and um, been helping. Can you just step us through what's going on up there? Yeah, well, um, the, since about November – They've had somewhere in between metre and two metres of rain um, fall in and that low just came in a couple of weeks ago and just didn't stop raining and we were just on the periphery in Mount Isa but it was just phenomenal. I was just getting, um, none of it was really heavy for us but they got some heavy falls and in the catchments and, um, you know, the Nicholson uh, through Riversley, uh, well, I forget all the names of the creeks but the Leichhardt um, was one of the big ones. Yeah. Um, They've just ripped through um, and pretty much anything along the Leichhardt and um, around Riversley, uh, Century Mine, just anything around there, they yeah. just got, they got, um, yeah, like uh, I think the height around um, Riversley Gregory was 17 metres. Um, so that's that's pretty pretty big. And I, I think the record for one of those areas was like 10 metres. So, um it's yeah, it's it's the biggest event in Burketown since White Man Settled, which is um, that's 150 years of um, you know record. So it's that's a pretty big event. And near any camp, he lives and breathes that golf country, and he's on Floraville Station, right on Leichhardt Falls uh, near the town. He he's he's just been completely wiped out. 
Um, and, you know, probably one of the telling things he said was that it's, it's um, never even heard of seeing brolgers drown, but he's got brolgers, um, got their feathers wet and can't swim real well. And uh, when you see brolgers drowning, you you know, you, you're in trouble. So, yeah, they've evacuated um, uh, most of Burktown. There's some houses that, uh, yeah, there's water to them, but there's people are digging their heels in and staying in there, but um, they've evacuated both part of the town and all the stations around there. And uh, we haven't we haven't started picking up pieces, but there'd be a lot of um, livestock and pets and animals and whatever floated out. You would think a lot. Yeah. Mm. yeah, yeah. You would think that there would be an awful lot, wouldn't you? Um, it, it's a two week wait. That's the the the, the Courier Mail this morning res- saying it's a two week wait till mm. they see the actual extent of the damage now. Burktown's flood peak, it hasn't even hit the flood peak, 35 houses inundated. I mean, you know, that's devastation for a community. I mean, if it was in, if it was in, if it was in Brisbane, she'd be leading the news. When the Premier's going to have to step up. There's, there's just no two ways about it. Yeah, mate. <laughs> like, there's going to be, um, there's going to have to be some discussions and um, we're just sort of getting through the crisis point of, of making sure everyone's safe and getting everyone out um, and it's just um, going to be moving into that next phase and, uh, very shortly. The so, other thing is Dobbo, like, um, I think is pretty, you know, other important point to make. You've got, um, you know, like uh, let's say Willie McMillan and his family, they've been stuck on the station Willow Grange just, just inside the territory, over the territory border in the Gulf. Um, they've got, they've been there since December the 20th on their station with a young family, and there's a lot of people um, that be like them. So, you know, it's not a lot of fun if you, you're stuck out there for a couple of months and then you're likely to be stuck there for another month. Um, I don't know, you know, I don't know if many people can relate to that, but that's, um, you know. Oh, it's just unbelievable. Mm. I mean, you know, a lot of people were flown to nearby Dumaji, um and then more 300 kilometres to Mount Isa. You had your plane operational, the choppers, but with the chopper pilots have been unbelievable. I, I saw something on social media. You'd been obviously with there've been some people who have been doing some amazing work, just um, yeah. uh, evacuating locals out on Saturday, uh, despite yeah. the warnings. With the sewage and power turned off completely due to flood risks. Yeah, uh, mate, and it's a constant court, um, cause of tension because um, a lot of service providers, you know, like. Um, Telstra and sometimes Ergon, but a lot of the service providers, even the media crews, like they'll, they now have all these safety standards where it's got to be a jet ranger or some really big machine that carts their people in or their sure. their gear in to fix phone towers or power poles, whatever. Um, and um, like Ergon can be pretty flexible sometimes, but the um, you know the, the Robinson Forty Fours they do, which is you know. That machine can just do so much work um, if it, if you let them do the work. Those those pilots are very competent, um, local pilots, and um, they can lift a fair bit of gear. And the amount of they, work they do, rather than like getting these really big um, machines in um, that don't know the area as well and don't seem to be as um, nimble. And yeah, the, same as those 2019 floods, like the, the pilots are. The, the, and just the you know normal mustering pilots with the Robinson 44s do an incredible amount of work 
and um, they're the ones doing the majority of the work there now and should be yeah. there to do a lot of it. But frustratingly, like, you're trying to fly, like, technicians in to say, like, Telstra, you can't just use the 44s. They insist they've got to be jet range and that for safety standards. Yeah. Which you can understand on what oh, I can, but, um, but I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what, I'm not, yeah, in this moment, you do what you can to get out. Do what you can, precisely. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and uh, I mean, let's not, we don't want more tragedy to occur, but the bottom line is that we do also want to make sure that we we are across everything that's going on at the moment, and that's the the most important thing. Can I ask you, Rob, um, from a financial perspective, this is going to have an impact in your electorate and and, and all through the the far north. Um, mm. You know, from a rebuild, you know, economic standpoint, there'll be businesses and and things just not operational, and 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 as a regional Queenslander, you know. We've had enough of being kicked in the guts. Yeah. Yeah, it's made it, you know, like you always get your back up a bit because, you know, you're um, over 2,000 kilometres up there from the governing centre of Brisbane in Queensland and um, it's it's easy to be forgotten. Now, I've got to say, um, you know, Mayor Annie Camp, who's been the, the main man on the ground um, and, um you know, I'd, I'd say the main coordinator there for uh, emergency services, um, linking in with emergency services. He's, um, you know, um, he's he's had all ministers ring him, whatnot. But we still want to see people up there. Like, there's nothing like getting just if we could just get one person, one from the federal government, one from the state up there on the ground, and that makes a big difference. So, well, um, as we're moving into recovery mode. Yeah, we want to see uh, someone up there. That, that yeah. um, you know, I was talking to Grazier last night. He was saying, um, you know, they're not, then they're saying they'll wear the loss and that sort of thing. But um, it was easy just going through on the phone last night. Uh, it would be easier to pick up a couple of million bucks in losses that yeah. they've, they've incurred, and and you know, um, Mayor Ernie Camp's just been completely wiped out all his gear, everything, and unbelievable, um, big, yeah. big heap big heap of his livestock so there'll be a lot of um a lot of peace to pick up and when like little town like Burktown, um it mainly runs off um pastoral industry so all the contractors if there's no money there none of the contractors anyone gets anyone gets work for 12 months if there's um you know if no one's got any money so um we've got to got to work around that yeah and make sure um we can keep the town going not just the um not just those um pastoral holdings that um, they're pretty big up past long, so there's not you're not talking about you know hundreds of um, people here. Just um, you know, probably a score of stations that have been um, wiped out. But you just need to look at how you how you rebuild that now. And, um, uh, yeah, not sure how that had happened yet, although, but um, that'll be a problem. And uh, yeah, and we still got to look after the. I think there's 71 people burnt down in Mount Isa, and um, a few others in Normanton. Uh, Dilma G, whatever, a vacuee, so we've got to look after them as well. Yeah, awesome, awesome. We're, our thoughts are with everybody up there. Rob, appreciate you're there. I'm so pleased that you are in that part of the world, and that's honest. No, I, I really am because you, you will keep them honest in a tough time. Our thoughts are to everybody that's affected at the moment. We're going to keep you updated over the next couple of weeks about exactly just what's going on. Appreciate your time, um, Rob. Uh, thanks so much for being with us this thanks, morning. Good on you. Thank we'll you take a break, come back, rural Queensland today. Welcome back to Rural Queensland today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. Uh, the Queensland Resource Council Chief Executive is Ian McFarlane and he joins us this morning. Ian, it's an honour to have you on Rural Queensland today this morning, mate. Um, so many challenges going on across this state. 
And once again, you're expressing disappointment about the treatment of the delegation of local government and community representatives. Surprise, surprise, from major Queensland resource regions uh, when they went to Canberra to see the federal minister and the federal government. Well, Ben, it, it's really a disgrace. I mean, local government people just want to do the right thing by the people that live in their areas. There's around 4,000 jobs in the Western Downs region that are supported directly or indirectly by gas. And those councillors and representatives from Tisby who took the time to go to Canberra just wanted to make sure that the federal government fully understood the implications of what it was doing in gas policy to the jobs and livelihoods of local people. So to be told by a minister's office that the gas industry was profiteering from wartime events and was not the priority that uh, that they saw as an invest a long term uh, investment in in Australia's future was quite quite disturbing. There's so much to unpack. I, I will say about the gas industry. I was I was at Condamine um, in the Western Downs when it first kicked off in the late early you know 2006 seven eight around then. There is a happy medium between grazing and the gas industry where everybody can work, you know, in unison. People can make good money out of it. The gas industry can make good money out of it. Uh, the farming communities can make good money of it and everybody's happy. And, and there's no two ways about it. But this was literally ticked off by the government. This was – this industry was given approval by – a Labor government. There's no, there's no two ways about it. And we've now got a federal and state government here in this country, um, and especially in Queensland, that absolutely is making it impossible, impossible for the gas, the mining industry to make any money and expand. I, I don't think they realise, I don't know where they think the revenue is going to come from. I, I, I honestly don't understand if they fully get what kind of situation we're going to be in crystal ball me five, six, seven years away when there is no mining or anything taking place or gas industry taking place in Queensland. They have lost the plot. Well, that's right, Ben. And as you know, I was born and grew up around Kingaroy, farmed in that area for a very long time, led the grain industry in Queensland for seven years. And I've watched the economic development that's come for both agriculture and the towns off the back of the resources industry, particularly the gas industry, from uh, from Dolby to Chinchilla to Miles to Roma, uh, down to around Gundawindi and, and up north in, in central Queensland. Gas industry has changed the livelihoods of farmers out there who are earning hundreds of thousands of dollars a year from gas sure. wells on their property. They've been able to bring their kids, their their adult children back to, to work in the district, either in the industry or on the farm or both. Uh, the schools are growing, the, the townships are growing, and for this delegation to be subjected to government officials pushing an anti-resources ideology yeah. is quite disgraceful. You're right, mate. I mean, without the resources industry and without agriculture, regional Queensland is finished. So well, we need nice. to make sure... Yeah. We need to make sure that government officials understand and government ministers understand. And to be fair, Madeline King, the Minister for Resources, does get it. She was positive. The rest of her colleagues weren't. But 
there is time. They can actually take the time to apologise to this delegation and ask them back down and sit down with them and listen to the stories like Senex, the gas industry, uh, local um, company that was established and supplies gas into the local market, has just put its project on ice. A billion dollars, Ben, a billion dollars that was going to be spent setting up a gas industry in, in, in the Western Downs region has been put on hold because the federal government has introduced price caps which make uh, that project un, unviable or very uncertain at best. So the government has got to listen to these delegations when they come down there. They won't, hit, won't listen to the resource companies. And they won't listen to, the, to the people like the QRC. They should at least listen to the local representatives and not peddle their anti-resources ideology at people like Paul McVeigh, who's representing sure. a region that's both rich in, in agriculture and resources. Ian, you've been very strong in the last year just around this royalties increase in money grab coming out of, you know, you know, Cloncurry, Camelwell, Mount Isa, all through there. It's a real mining hub through there. And some of the companies who have pulled the pin, um, Anastasia and, and different members of that government have just shouted and laughed and said, oh, this is not the case and, you know. But the bottom line is by jacking up the royalties and having the pour out, it has made it in a lot of ways for businesses just unviable to come to this come to this state. Now, the, the, the honest truth is that we, we're going to lose jobs out of this. We're going to lose regional towns out of this. Like at any stage, can they see just the absolute impact that they're, what they're – and I suppose, you know, they've got to build a new stadium. They've got a cross-city tunnel that, you know, is causing – you know, has been blown out. So all this poor management that's happening in the southeast, they're trying to grab all the money from the resources in the west and – it doesn't add up. It just does not add up. It, nothing stacks up at the moment. Well, that's right, Ben. I mean, they're killing the golden goose. The reality of the wild increase in coal royalty taxes is that it's frightened investors away right across the board. So not just in coal, but in minerals, in new energy, in renewables, in hydrogen. We're seeing Japanese investors taking a, a second look at Queensland and saying, oh, this looks too risky to us. We're seeing gas companies take up options overseas rather than drilling gas here. We are literally seeing this government kill the golden goose. The coal industry is the absolute backbone of the resources sector in Queensland. And the amazing thing is, Ben, that they can go anywhere in the world and mine coal. They don't have to mine it here. The government needs to understand that by doubling the royalty taxes to now make them five times higher than America and, and five times higher than other countries, it just doesn't make sense. And companies will up sticks and move their next investment to somewhere else. They'll, they'll keep mining what they've got. But where are the jobs for 10 and 20 years' time? That's like you say, yeah. who's going to support the economy then? And other companies who have been caught up in this or seen uh, companies caught up in this are saying, well, look, if they're going to change the royalties on coal without even consulting with the industry, then they might do that on minerals or they might change the tax arrangements on hydrogen. And so companies are looking at other options. Queensland needs to be competitive. We need to make sure that we can get the companies to come here and invest 
so that there are the jobs of the future that, as you and I know, have supported our economy, not just through the 2020s, but in fact since the early 50s when we uh, when we saw the big developments in the resources sector and then the expansion in the coal industry. I was reading last night Jeffrey Blaney's story in the Australian about Mount Isa. Yep. That whole town was built on resources, nothing else. That's right. And, and the reality is that the resources sector, along with agriculture, continues to build regional Queensland. I don't understand. You, you, you make so much sense. It, it, it's like the deals were cut, and you understand that there is a lot going on with different, you know, you know backdoor deals. But the deal was cut with the Greens, and they're all talking about renewables, you know, net zero. I, I mean, it's unsustainable to think that they were going to get to that. I understand that there's a happy medium, just like there is in the coal seam gas industry and the grazing industry. That, that, that You come to unison and, and you work together. This telling people what's going on, regulation, stopping production, I mean, they're putting taxes and saying, oh, there, there's flow off and there's damage with stuff going on in the reef and coral bleaching and, and it's coming from industry and agriculture. I don't know, and I've never seen water run uphill. I've, I've never seen it in my life, and I might be wrong, but I've never ever seen it go up the Great Dividing Range and down. Yet, one one uh, policy fits all for this state, and it just can't be like that. Well, Ben, we've got to have a mix of energies, and we've got to be able to rely on being able to produce power twenty four hours a day, seven days a week. If you look at the um, the graph, and I'm actually looking at a graph that was sent me last night about where the power is coming from at the moment, you get a cloudy day, your solar production falls through the floor and, and wind much the same because it gets very still. There's not a breath of air where I am at the moment. So we're relying out, out of about 7,500 megawatts of, of uh, energy produced um, on on uh, on the eleventh and twelfth, you know, just over the weekend. Yeah. The reality is, of that seven and a half, between five and a half and six thousand came from coal, and and an- another five hundred came from gas. And if we're going to make this transition to lower emission um, renewable energy, then there are going to be bumps along the way. There sure. are going to be. A- a string of days like we've just had where it's been overcast and stormy, and we are going to rely on gas in particular to fill that gap. So to have a federal government policy that doesn't uh, doesn't support the expansion of the gas industry in Queensland and, and stands back and watches it choke under a new federal government policy just doesn't make sense to me. It, and... In the end, it'll be the people of Queensland who suffer, Ben. It'll be the people, mums trying to cook dinner at night when the power goes out. It'll yep. be yep. The, the people who wanted to make a career in the resources sector who won't be able to get a job. And Yeah, they might be coffee baristas, but they won't be earning $150,000 a year, which they are now. The, the resources sector is the highest-paying employer in Australia, and resources jobs on average are in excess of $100,000 um, a year and, and quite often much more than that. So it is an industry that not only earns a lot for the state and for the federal government in taxes, but it earns a lot for the people. And then there are the tens of thousands of businesses who hang off them and, and support them uh, in, in, in supplying goods and services to them. So it is an industry that has a huge economic impact and one which should be encouraged by both state and federal governments. 
Really appreciate your time. You make so much sense. The ministers uh, that went down there, and, and I can tell you now, um, Paul McVeigh um, took members of the group to Canberra to meet in good faith with the federal government ministers and other representatives, including the Prime Minister's office, to discuss newly introduced gas policies um, and were treated with complete disrespect. Um, now, an apology needs to be made. You're right. Uh, Minister for Resource Madeline Kidd, King showed some understanding to the group's concerns, but the government, seriously, uh, it just keeps on disappointing at the present moment. Great to chat, Ian McFarlane. I really appreciate your time this morning. Thank you so much, Queensland Resource Council Chief Executive Ian McFarlane. Thank you so much for being with us this morning. Yeah, thanks, Ben. Always a pleasure. Good on you. We'll take a break, come back with more Rural Queensland Today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. Welcome back to Rural Queensland today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. Uh, the head of the river, the GPS head of the river for the men, was uh, raced on Saturday morning, and it was a thrilling, thrilling victory to BBC. Um, the seven schools took part in 24 races, and the first eight head of the river went down to the wire. Um, it was, in fact, a spectacular finish that obviously saw around five minutes um, trying to work out who actually won. Now, that was between BBC and obviously TSS. Now, they won by BBC 0.26 of a second. So a very, very tough loss for TSS, but it was a massive effort uh, for them to keep the O'Connor Cup for another year. It's their third consecutive year in a row. And Southport, the Southport School, obviously very unlucky in that. So uh, a good, well done to BBC and, and obviously uh, a great effort and there was a lot of people there on the foreshores of the dam watching that. Let's talk to Rugby League and obviously so much went on over the course of the weekend. I'm going to get to some agricultural um, sales and property sales that took place as well last week. But Brisbane and the Dolphins sit at the top of the table after round two of the Telstra Premiership. The Broncos, um, I spoke to a very, very upset Marcus Kerr on Saturday morning, uh, defeated the North Queensland Cowboys, and I know a lot of the people listening to us uh, would have been disappointed with the Cowboys' result, um, but the Broncos are showing an enormous amount of class this early in the season. The fact that they were able to beat the Cowboys, who they had only won once in five appearances prior to Friday night, speaks volumes of how far this side has come. Some people say to me, oh, come on, Dobbo, you're a Cowboys and Broncos and, you know, Dolphins and you're a supporter of them all. Well, I actually love rugby league. The Broncos, if we remember three years ago, were wooden spooners. Take, make no mistakes. They went to 14th and they went to 9th. And they're on track if they can keep themselves level to clearly, and I mean this, be a top four side. They take on the St. George Illawarra Dragons on Saturday night, and these are the kind of danger games for Brisbane last year where they let them slip and they cost them later. St. George had a big victory over the Gold Coast Titans on Friday on last night, Sunday night, sorry. And if you're a Titans fan, you're crying in your weak beaks because one week doesn't make a season, and we all thought that we were going to see a different type of resilience from the Titans in 2023. Unfortunately... For the Titans, it wasn't that great. Now, uh, a lot to like about what is going on in this neck of the woods, um, and I mean that there is a lot to like um, from the perspective of that we are waiting for this round four clash. 
And I talk about the round four clash, and that's the Dolphins taking on the Broncos. The Dolphins have done an amazing job in central Queensland. The Capras are their affiliate, and if you looked at their side that won uh, with a field goal on Saturday night, it had Cody Nicarima, Oliver Gildart, Anthony Milford, Milford, all in that Capra side. And they're going to be strong this year, really strong, because of the work and the pathway that is taking place between the Dolphins and the Capras. The Dolphins, coached under Wayne Bennett, are two wins from two starts. They beat the Roosters last year from last year that were in the top eight. They also went and beat the Raiders that were in the top eight. Two teams that expected to beat the Dolphins and Wayne Bennett uh, has got a team that is just going to play with real grit that got the job done. The Dolphins are here. They are present and they are flying. And the good news is for everybody is that move over because things are going to be interesting in the coming years. The battle on the ground is quite unbelievable. The young men and women now have another option and it's not only the Broncos. The Broncos have done wonderful, wonderful things and so have the Cowboys through rural and regional Queensland. But the Dolphins are as well. The good news is that if you live and breathe rugby league, whether or not you're a young boy or girl, you get an opportunity to stay here in your state. You don't have to go to Sydney. And that's something that hasn't existed in the past. For me, I absolutely cannot wait for round four. And there are still tickets available, but anybody listening, I suspect you'd go and get them now. The Cowboy, the Broncos will be taking on the Dolphins on Friday night, the 24th of March. And you can only imagine the atmosphere on that game. Wayne Bennett taking on Kevin Walters. Wow. Coach, student, two teams wanting to take control of the city. The Broncos this morning have released their Brisbane Broncos City jersey with the Brisbane City in, on the back of their jersey to try and to try and steal some more of that iconic um, market that they are Brisbane's team. They're not the Dolphins. This will make for an absolute epic clash in two weeks' time. I'm looking forward to it. I think Queensland love it. And it bodes well for State of Origin as well, as Billy Slater sees the likes of Felice Cafusi and what he's doing every time he takes the paddock. Rugby league is alive and well. The Cowboys will get back in the winner's circle. And I'm sorry for a lot of people listening to us this morning that they got beaten Uh, But it's good for the game that the Broncos are going well. It's good for the game that the Dolphins are going well and the Cowboys and the Titans. Remember, all four teams won last week. Let's get to a bit of agricultural news. And um, it's reported, like, obviously, that there's been some really strong sales. Um, And Helen Walker reported this, um, that the uh, Adams family standout 4,044-acre freehold Wondowan property Alice has sold for $9.825 million. That is a huge sale. It had a carrying capacity of 900 backgrounders and was bought by neighbours Stuart and Naomi Golden. Now, it was 41 kilometres west of Wondowan and it was originally timbered with Brigalow, Bottle Tree and Bohemia. The property's in two lots and it's obviously been cleared, blade ploughed and developed into nine paddocks with a laneway system um, and is a premier block. 
two sets of cattle yards, both the 500 head capacity, um, three dams. Um, it was a really, really good property and it just shows that obviously um, regardless it went to auction in Brisbane on the 10th of March and what a great result that has been for them. So, you know, a really good result for the Adams family selling Alice for $9.25 million and a really good, strong result for that market. Anything you need to get in contact with me for, if you've got anything going on in your neck of the woods, I mean, please, please email me, ben.dobbin at ruralqldtoday.com.au. You can like us on the Facebook page or Instagram and you can direct messages. You can always go to Spotify to hear any of the latest shows. We'll take a break, come back with more. This is Rural Queensland Today. Welcome back to Rural Queensland Today. Uh, you're with Ben Dobbin on this Monday morning, the 13th of March. Uh, Rural Doctors Association of Queensland President Matt Mazel joins us this morning. Matt, good morning. Thank you so much for being with us again. Um, Pleasure, Ben. The Rural Doctors Association of Queensland has once again affirmed the need for a collaborative care model in addressing some of these absolutely horrific maternity care crisis situations that are going on across the state. Now, we've talked countless times about the fiasco, whether or not it be Theodore, whether or not it be in far north Queensland, uh, more recently the Gladstone scenario where um, they had to drive 100 kilometres up the road to, to Rockhampton and then there's doctors um, and midwives and nurses and, and anaesthetists that are all there. They are absolutely worked to the bone. It is a hell of a mess, an absolute hell of a mess. It is. And look, everybody has been working hard in, in those places as well, you know, uh, and all over the state. Uh, yeah, women are uh, still having babies in rural and regional sites and uh, and I know that staff in those places uh, continue to work hard and together and collaboratively. Uh, so it's important to remember that. And also, you know, look, acknowledge that enormous efforts are being put in um, by hospital health services, by leaders, uh, and, and politicians are, you know, Putting some work together, I, you know, I thank the minister for calling the forum recently on uh, on maternity workforce in particular. She got consumers, uh, midwives, doctors, others in the room together, and we all, you know, put in a solid um, day of collaboration to to bring to her to to give to her some practical, you know, logical and and, and doable solutions. Uh, because yeah, women are still stuck in terrible predicaments every day in some parts of the state, and we really shouldn't be seeing that in this day. Uh, I mean, you can't snap your fingers and get more doctors into the bush. It, it just, unless we get uh, an overseas program, and there's a lot, but I mean, we're working tirelessly um, with the Townsville campus. We know that there's trying to get more nurses out at Charleville. We're trying to grow our own. But that's a five, six, seven, eight-year project, so the short-term fix is that we may need to make it more uh, in some ways attractive for doctors to move from the southeast corner. And we've talked about this and, 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 and more services available. How do we do it in the short term? In crystal ball me, uh, Matt, what's your thoughts in the short term how we fix it? Yeah, and that's, that's what we were really tasked with the other day. Uh, long-term solutions are important, but, you know, women can't wait, uh, you know, five or six years, you're right. But there are people in the system already in rural Queensland uh, 
who may not be working exactly in maternity sites, but who can be enabled to return to birthing care type services relatively quickly. That includes midwives who can be attracted to some of the newer models um, that use their skills and, and, and give them the rewards of continuity of care. We know that, that that's attractive to midwives, midwives who may be working as, as nurse, nurses as well or fully as nurses who might be attracted back to midwifery by some of these models. Similarly, GPs, you know, there's some GPs out there who have felt undervalued or nudged out in, in recent times who actually have the skills to provide uh, care to, to women in in, uh, in pregnancy and birthing. And they can be upskilled relatively quickly and, and can be part of the solution. In fact, you know, all of uh, a lot of this depends on having thriving rural general practice services in these towns as well. And as you say, overseas trained doctors, you know, there's been a bit of a gap in, in the track they can be a relatively uh, rapid uh, uh, response as well. We've also advocated for uh, expanding of the flying obstetric service, um, which supports a number of rural birthing units already, but could be expanded to, to provide additional support to some of those places that sure. are on the brink or really struggling to get back to, to birthing right now. So there are a few, if you like, faster tracking type solutions. The big one is still attracting more professionals into the bush in the long term, be they new generation ones or some who may have drifted back to the cities. Yeah. Um, I, I just I just think that, you know, financially it needs to be a little bit more for it. We need mm. to sell it a little bit better, but that's not the job of the Rural Doctors Association of Queensland's job. You guys are working your tails off. I mean, your ag- advocacies for, you know, like for, for the bush – we need to get it sold by the government, by the state, so it, it, and and even federally, it needs to come from as well because we have to have a better a better system. This is flawed. Whether or not you go right. you go into Augustella and you haven't got a there's no doctor there you pervert mm. your knee, or whether a, the, some of the incidents that we are hearing it, it, that and and I'm honest here that we walk into places like Quilpie where somebody, a bloke had his finger half cut off and could not see and had a telehealth conference and then had to get in the cut. Like, you've, mm. there's got to be a better system. These yeah, doctors right. that are in these towns are overworked. They don't yep. get days off. It, it, mm-hmm. It's not attractive for a GP to go into one of the bush towns if they're on their own because they've got to have a life as well. And they at do. some point their mental health has to come into consideration. As much as they're trying to look after everybody else, Somebody's got to think about the doctors as well. You're quite right to talk about all of those services. You know, it's not birthing is critical. It, it's a, it's a bit of a keystone for birth, for rural um, health services broadly. Where you where you lose birthing from a town, you lose uh, in doctors with additional skills, uh, midwives, and others. You know, so maintaining birthing services means you maintain services for all the community. And you're right. I talk to I talk to young students, doctors, whenever I can. I tell them the incredible rewards and, and, and appreciation you get from working in the bush. But ultimately, if I can't tell them, and I can't right now, that they will you know receive equivalent respect and, and remuneration by working in the bush as they would working in a in an urban specialty. Uh, that's there, there isn't equivalence at the moment. And while there's not equivalence. You know, that's always going to be a problem with attracting the next generation. We need the very best of our next medical students, midwives, nurses to choose to go rurally because it's well rewarded and it's and, and it's a rewarding career. 
that's what we need. Otherwise, we're just going to be in a worse situation in five years' time. So moving forward, um, the next couple of years are going to be tough. Do you think that they understand? I know you had the conference. I know you've had the forums. I know everybody's come together. Mm -hmm. But do they truly listen to you, Matt? That's the question because if you're running the show – the problem solved, and I say that there's going to be some hiccups, but you get you get what needs to be done. So they've asked you for your help. They've asked for a round table. All the the smartest people in Queensland are there. Do they genuinely, genuinely listen? Uh, it, it, it's hard to say. Absolutely, yeah. yes. At the moment, we're we're certainly uh, hopeful. We're saying things as loudly as we can. We're pointing out where it's working because it is working in places. We talk about a crisis, but there are places where women are having birthing um, with with excellent collaborative services with midwives and doctors providing a continuous service through their pregnancy and birthing where it's as close to home as possible for First Nations people on country. That is happening in places, really. Yeah. Uh, we hear about the places where it isn't and that's where efforts need to be made. But the answers will come from those places where it is working. And so we really do hope that the minister and the, and the leadership team uh, are taking lessons from those places where it's working uh, and, uh, and and putting them into place elsewhere. You can't completely transplant places, uh, systems, of course. One model might work one place. Models need to be, and not in other places, models need to be worked out, co-designed by the community where, they, you know, where they're going to be placed and by the people who work there because ultimately if those people aren't comfortable working in those models and don't feel safe as well, then they're going to move on. So, look, yeah, we're, we're asking people to, we're asking the, the teams to, to look at where places are, where services are working really well and uh, and learn from those places. Uh, it's quite unbelievable um, that we're even having this conversation, but I really am thankful that people like yourself who are very, very busy also dedicate and give time um, to trying to make a difference. Uh, really appreciate your time this morning. Rural Doctors Association of Queensland President Matt Mazel, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you, Ben. Good on you. We'll take a break, come back with more. This is Rural Queensland Today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. Well, that's it from us here this morning at Rural Queensland Today on this Monday morning, the 13th of March. Have a great day and remember when the wheat is ripe, keep the headers rolling in the paddock. Stay safe and we will be back tomorrow morning from nine. Ray Hadley to join you next. Till next time from Ben Dobbin and all the team here at Rural Queensland Today, it's bye for now.